0: raunchy power hour a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous as always this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language adult themes and sexual content if you are sensitive to these things we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now this month we are reading window shopping by tessa bailey this is part two of window shopping this podcast will contain spoilers of the entire book if you want to read along with us stop listening now it's okay we'll wait for you to come back this is our concluding episode of Window Shopping. If you haven't, please go listen to part one. Yes, we'll wait again. This book doesn't contain any content warnings, so you haven't been warned. I'm your producer Ashlyn.
1: Hi, I'm the mom kissing Santa, Sydney.
2: And I'm the little cookies that Santa ate up like num nom nom at the end of the strip. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Let's get ready to get eggnoggy.
1: Hey, Sydney. Oh, I Lord. I got a question to ask you. <laughs> I didn't know you smoked two bags a day, but what's up? I'm vaping. Don't you know the difference? Nope, couldn't tell.
2: This is a mango pod. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so to sleep deprived. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. What do you think about the concept of, of doing the deed in a forbidden location? Not like public sex, but like in a place like your office or like in a public restroom. What's the vibe?
1: Ooh. <laughs> See, you said public restroom. And I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. Because <laughs> that's just gross. Um, Valen. I- I don't know why, but it kind of turns me off personally. Mm. Like, specifically those two places I have discussed in the past that a more forbidden place has, like, been a turn on in the past. Um, but I think the reason those other like, those two specific examples gross me out is because, like, you are, like, I would still argue it's in public because, like, hmm You're in places where you are highly likely that another person will interact within that space while you're doing such thing. And, like, other people aren't consenting to your sexual um, imagination. Um, but if we're talking specifically about the The CEO's office, like the like the office on the top floor, and he's got like Indeed. locks on the door, and he can like lower the shades. Then,
2: and he tells his assistant to hold his calls for the next hour, and then like has to has to. It's really hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um.
1: I don't. That that I don't mind personally. Um. The public restroom, I think, is the thing that grossed me out. So, no public restroom, but. CEO office that's like, that's like sexed out, ready for sex. Kind of (laughs) hot. Follow-up
2: question because we are on the same page here thus far. Yes. Windows
1: or no windows in the CEO office? As If they can be blacked out so no one can see what's going on. Hmm. I'd be cool with it. This is where we diverge. <laughs> or if we're on like if we're in a high rise, no <laughs> one can see. That's okay, okay. Listen. High
2: rise, but wall-to-wall window. <laughs> <laughs> well, if no one
1: could see, then I'd be okay with it, but like i want on a Delta Airlines. Why? <laughs> what do you mean, Delta Airlines? What do you mean by Delta Airlines? <laughs> oh. I
2: want an airplane to pass by, and then you have to wonder
1: whether or not they can see from the distance and height that they are at. See, I went down a different, much darker idea when you said Delta Airlines and then mentioned the height of a tower, so oh we're just going to continue. Oh yeah, that is that is unfortunately where I went. So, hi, guys. Welcome back to window shopping. This Bailey and Raunchy Power Hour. <laughs> I hate us. Anyway, so this is part two of "Window Shopping" by Tessa Bailey, um and we are going from chapter nine all the way to the end of the book. Lauren, would you like to give us a quick synopsis for anyone who just needs a quick? Oh, okay. this is your quiz. This is the quiz I'm going to have you take. To make just sure you remember the first half. Every time this happens, okay. I know, and I do it like every time.
2: I know. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to do the broad strokes of like what, yeah. the listeners what do you need broad strokes?
1: just need some quick reminders. Uh, main character,
2: Stella Schmidt. She recently has been released from a period of incarceration. Oh. She's sort of adapting to society. And apparently her dream in life is to become like a professional window dresser, which is basically where you like create displays and adverts like within like storefront windows type thing. When she bumps into a man named Aiden Cook, who happens to be a young uh general manager slash owner type thing of vivant which is like this like luxury kind of higher like higher end macy's is what we're guessing um basically you know they have a conversation he determines that hey she's pretty good at this thing you should send your application She does worried about the whole criminal record thing, but he kind of has the hots for her. And so he like is kind of looking for application, decides to interview her, insists on hiring her on a trial basis to see if she fits with the company. She performs well overall, but while they're working, even in the first couple of days, there's tensions brewing between her and this man Aiden. And they have a lot of inappropriate flirtings and discussions about whether or not they should be making this relationship official by signing an HR love contract. Aiden's all for it as a rule follower. Stella's not really, because there's obviously a lot involved in this power dynamic. And also, of course, her criminal record, she doesn't want anything bad to happen or to get out about that. There's sort of a will they won't they, except it's switching POVs. So we both know they're attracted to each other, but there's just something getting in the way. And instead, they just spend multiple chapters sort of flirting, discussing each other's tragic past. She, for example, the reason she was incarcerated was because she was an accomplice in an armed robbery at a restaurant and also got charged with attempted manslaughter um, with her friend, Nicole, who is still uh imprisoned at this time um or getting released. It's got kind of a gray area and is apparently a bad influence on her because she was rough and like stick guilt tripper and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Aiden is like Mr. Goody Two-Shoes because he's got some family issues. He, His grandparents, who previously sort of like had a hand in the ownership of the store, just like really hard asses and they're like rich snobs and blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of issues. And somewhere in the middle of it, they finger bang each other. <laughs> and that's kind of where we left off.
1: Yeah. Uh, Actually, he just finger bangs her, and then he's like, "Come to, (laughs) then we're gonna go. We're gonna go someplace else. Meet me downstairs." Um, Yes. So yeah, now we're on chapter nine, uh, where Stella does like a quick goodbye to everybody at like the company cocktail hour. Which, by the way, Aiden apparently never shows up to, but then suddenly shows up because he knows Stella's gonna be there, and I'm like hr didn't already think these two were banging this would be a huge indicator but like like we like i said um in the group chat in which lauren also referenced in the first part of uh this book where i said this book (laughs) this is this book is a walking hr violation anyway stella goes downstairs aiden is waiting for her they get into his car and they go back to her apartment. Um and what's really interesting is I really didn't write down much of what happened in this ninth chapter. Um and it's really the first chapter where we're supposed to like we're we're starting to get into the hot and steamy things. Honestly. It just like I felt like it didn't matter. <laughs>
2: um yeah clearly it didn't matter to me because the only note I wrote was audiobook reader pronounces chasm like chasm (laughs) yeah the only (laughs) note I have
1: I love that for you yes Ashlyn Ashlyn. (laughs) I just
0: wanted to share that my only note for this chapter it's two sentences they leave the bar and borderline have sex in the car on the way to her apartment literally what was the point of this chapter is exactly
1: what I wrote (laughs) exactly exactly i am actually along the same lines because i literally wrote honestly skimmed skimmed most of it because it feels like we're going through every minute um like and i kind of get it because this is only taking place within a matter of days as a reminder listeners um this book takes place within oh my god oh my god it's between the 12 days of christmas
2: Have you ever fallen head over heels in love for your corporate employer within twelve <laughs> days? And I want that played over the Home Depot. I've
1: golden drinks, <laughs> uh-huh. four violations, three missed calls, two, <laughs> two ex convicts,
0: and a corporate man in a bow tie.
1: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love that for us. That was beautiful. Amazing. Uh yeah, but it takes place within two weeks. Um, so I just kind of feel like we're stuck within every like single minute within this book. Yeah. Between those fourteen days, and I'm just like, dear God, this book will not end. Like, this is it just feels kind of painful. Like, yeah, it takes place in a matter of days. And literally, here's here's my synopsis um for, for this chapter. They drive. It ends up up about family, um, and how they kind of resent him for saving the Vaught because he bought basically a major portion of the Vaught to save it from bankruptcy when it was right to, about to go bankrupt. Uh, and then basically he says like positivity is his shield, and uh, then they make out and they're like making out real hot in the car, and again there's no sex, and then they're at her apartment.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, That's it. it's really it truly really is like in those fanfics that you read where like young authors feel the need to like tell every single scene that happens mm-hmm. even if it's just getting from point a to point b in which you can yeah. just be like and then they arrive you know what i mean exactly
1: exactly <laughs> yeah. like this whole section could have been cut out um and i understand that this was pre hearse like publishing this book with Penguin like when this was originally published but like I want to know if it's in the, the version that she has published with them now. Who's to say? Who's to say? Anyway, chapter 11. Chapter 10. Um, <laughs> guys, he says panties and I can't stop thinking of that stupid man from November 9th. <laughs> ben Kessler. We keep getting stuck. Like, whenever I read Panties now in a book, I'm just like <laughs> having flashbacks to November 9th. You want me to tell you how he said it on the audiobook?
2: Yeah. Panties. Of course he did.
1: Panties. <laughs> <Pionish. Pionish>. Um. <laughs> um At one point, he, like, says something about, like, wanting to elope with her. Because she, like, says something hot. And I'm like, dude, you haven't, you just made out with her for the first time. Like, cool your horses. Like, there are so many red flags. Aiden is just a walking red flag. (laughs) With
2: with a savior complex. And I think he sees the potential in this wounded bird for that
1: oh my god um but yeah so basically they kind of like show up in her apartment and he has like a lot of guilt going into this like sexual experience with stella like multiple points like where he sees like her badge on the floor and it's like this was her first day as a fully employed vivant uh employee so he's just like like oh that makes me feel bad then he mentions how like oh this like we should have gone back to my place because like this is my employee's home like multiple things like you can tell he's just feeling guilty so then he kind of like he fully goes down on her which i would consider sex i don't like i yeah. Do want to talk yeah. about this yes okay okay, okay. okay. Because I mean, like, yeah, like I'm so glad you
2: brought that up. Because Mm -hmm. in this whole chapter, his whole thing of like guilt creeping up is all about like I can't have sex with an employee. You just fingered her. Is (laughs) that sex? Yeah, and even though it's never said explicitly to me, I also got that same vibe of like it's not sex until it's like penile penetration, which. You're still being physically inappropriate with an employee if you were performing yes. oral sex or, or fingering of any kind. Anything actually. Yes.
1: Literally all of the of the comments that they've been making and how he's like, I want to bring you to bed. I wanna like do you rough. Like that is that is a sexual act. He's been the one borderline,
2: like convincing her to do this not that she's like resistant but like she kind of feels a little less sure she's not really initiating it nearly as much as he has been and then all of a sudden get
1: cold feet when he already has performed acts on her twice okay he's infuriating and then in the next chapter spoiler alert she feels bad because she feels like she led him on i'm like you didn't do anything and he never like
2: says anything to her explicitly about that of like no, it was me. I should be responsible for this. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Because he is in the higher position. hmm. Mm-hmm. Both figuratively and physically. <laughs> yes. Um, like, in the point of employee, yeah. Like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I 100% agree. Because I just, it felt weird because I was like, dude, you're still doing sexual acts. And she's had like a physical reaction, an orgasm. Twice that is sex, even if like she didn't come to an orgasm, what you are doing, and the acts that you yes. are doing are sex, they are sexual, mm-hmm. um, so that felt so weird, and then he just wimps out at the last second and decides to not i guess quote unquote go all the way and not say anything <laughs> to her about it. he just literally no, he just leaves. Like- He's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> and then he like he puts his dick back, and then he leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, what was that for? Like, what was how, the purpose of this chapter? How awful would you feel in her shoes? Oh my god, you would feel I, so used when you. Like- I would feel like even though I was the one that like technically got the better end of the deal, I would feel cheap. I would feel like something is wrong with me. I'm like, why are you not wanting to complete? That's like the best word I can come up up with. Yeah. Like the act. Like why aren't you wanting to also like find pleasure as well? Like what's going on here? Like I would feel so mixed signals. I'd be like, do you like me? Do you not? Like what is going on? I feel like
2: for me, it would very much come off as like, okay, this this big CEO type guy who probably never has trouble getting women, unlike how he claims to, you know, all this mm-hmm. kind of things. He's attractive, he's powerful, he's rich, whatever. Really likes the thrill of the chase. He got here. He got what he wanted. I've given it to him. And now he's done.
1: That's what yeah. it would feel like to me. And that's exactly. so terrible. It also would make me feel like I wouldn't have the same feeling Stella has, which is like, oh, I forced him into it. I'd be like, I would just feel so betrayed. Yeah. And it would make me uncomfortable. You know what it would be? It would make me feel super uncomfortable going back into work, which she literally expresses yes. then the next chapter about how she's yes. not uncomfortable going into work and wanting to avoid him, which is like the whole issue with this whole damn book is Mm -hmm. what are the implications if things don't work out like this is a reality is if things do not work out romantically she's fucked yeah yeah like what like she can't do anything and he's fine because he can avoid the ground floor you know they've got like secret elevators and stuff he doesn't have to be on the ground floor and be visual but she does
2: I think I just wish that they had given Stella um like a, like a direct supervisor. You know what I mean? Like someone mm-hmm. that could manage her more directly. And that yeah, he's technically her boss, but it's more on like a
1: intangible level of like yes. he's everybody's Who boss. Who is her boss? Who is her boss other than Aiden? We're never told. Exactly. That's to feel feels better. like. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, was she just was she just given an upper management position? Because if she's in direct contact with basically the general manager, also slash CEO, slash owner of the company, that's like upper management level position.
2: Not him inventing a position, just for, <laughs> they, they lie that there's a window dresser job opening and he's like, here you go. Know.
1: Honestly, I 100% thought he would, he just came up with a job just so he could see her again. True. I thought that was the direction we were going in. Okay. Yeah. Going into chapter eleven, <laughs> this is actually I got extremely uncomfortable with this chapter, um, and we'll I'll I'll go into kind of why I think because uh, I think it was just more of a me thing. Um, oh hi scooter, sorry my cat scooter is meowing. She's Aww. she's telling me mom, stop reading these awful books. I beg of you. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's the next day. Stella's uh, signing some. HR papers. Um, and. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, I'm trying to remember exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Stella is an official full time employee. She's like filling out some paperwork. Thinking about how uncomfortable things are with Aiden um and things get awkward uh like he hands her a letter to like the company christmas party and they're like super awkward and it's just like this is literally the nightmare and the whole reason why this like i would understand why this carried out for like a couple chapters and then this was kind of like the rising action but it like literally this resolves within the chapter and i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, we're filling out some paperwork, and then suddenly Stella gets a phone call um, from Nicole um, and where Nicole is incarcerated. Uh, and this whole thing with Nicole, like the whole backstory and like the whole thing, made me extremely uncomfortable. Um, And I... So, I'll kind of go into why I think I'm uncomfortable, but Lauren, I wanted to know kind of how you felt kind of going throughout this section and the whole Nicole B plot line kind of going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I. So, I don't have as explicit experience with someone like Nicole in my life in terms of like directly being like, oh, like, I don't have anyone else who so you're supposed to show up for me or like, oh, I was really hoping that you would send me money for parole and like what have you. Right. Like, I, I've never mm-hmm. had someone be that direct about it, but I have had situations in my life where I've had to cut people off who very much did sort of inadvertently occupy that space of like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take, 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 take because you are my only source of emotional and like physical comfort. And even if that's like an unconscious thing, right? I don't want to point fingers at anyone in my life and be like, you did this on purpose, right? But for me, reading this in a very like exaggerated, like in your face form of like, I, you know, you owe me this and guilt trip that and whatever... Sorry. On. <laughs> I just punched my mind <laughs> cash. My I was getting heated. Um, I think it also made me a little uncomfortable. I think, yeah. I think, I don't know if this was from my own experience or because of just like empathy for Stella, but mm-hmm. it was an uncomfortable thing to read in which if that is what Tessa Bailey was trying to evoke, then she did successfully. And yeah. as it is hard having to watch Stella go through that who just admittedly doesn't really have much say in the situation slash hasn't really developed that independence yet
1: um yeah yeah thoughts I think what made me I think what made me uncomfortable is one it is revealed that Nicole is being released Mm -hmm. due to being good which again I just go here I don't know everything about the law Ashlyn (laughs) yes
0: so, listeners, just so you know, we we record these back-to-back. In our break, I spent a significant amount of time researching the Connecticut state law for Ooh, attempted wow. manslaughter. I couldn't really find anything about attempted manslaughter. However, the minimum sentencing for manslaughter, the, the first-degree manslaughter, is 10 years without chance for um, parole or reduced time. So I'm guessing it can't be 4 and a 4 years and a half. Like yeah, she gets out months after Stella who got reduced time, which is crazy. Yeah. I spent so
1: long thinking about that. So I so I'll bring this up first. This whole thing of how the subplot of both Nicole and Stella being incarcerated, it's just very poorly researched. Um Again, so this is when uh, Stella starts having a panic attack, like if Nicole's gonna come find her, um, like while she's on parole. So, from what I understand about our legal system and specifically in states, when you're on parole, you are not allowed to leave the state in which the crime is committed or wherever you live, whatever. So, but I do, I believe, um, and I know you can't leave the country or anything. Anyway, but I know, like, I understand that Stella may have been having a panic attack when she thinks this, but she's like, oh my God, Nicole's gonna come find me. But that's just not how parole works. <laughs> um, and that's not how, like, all of these things that we're bringing up is just not how our justice system works pertainingly. And you know what? Again, I'm not an expert. Do not quote me on all this. Do not take any legal advice or no any advice. Or knowledge about the justice system from me, please. But it just really bothered me because it just felt like it was just so poorly researched and just like shooed in. Because I literally, because I think it made me so uncomfortable because I don't understand why in so many romances, authors feel the need to add like this dark past or like dark plot points to like add quote unquote like interesting characteristics to their main character because we've had this twice like i'm i'm thinking of another example which is the mister where that where alicia the main character in that book she has a lot of trauma from being within a presumably mentally abusive household and then human trafficked like Mm -hmm. that is that's some serious trauma but in both cases of this, of, like, incarceration due to almost manslaughter and then also armed robbery, and then with Alicia, like, the same thing with being um, human trafficked, like, it just feels so shoehorned in and just not the pla- the appropriate place to have these conversations. And the mister, you could argue, is more of, like, a, I guess you could argue it's a dark romance. I really wouldn't say that. Um, but... Especially in window shopping. Like, this is not the appropriate place uh, to shoehorn in, like, this quote-unquote, like, dark backstory and that paw point into this character. Um, And the other thing that made me uncomfortable is how... And I think this is a me thing. Here's the me thing. I didn't like uh, Stella's relationship with Nicole. Obviously, it's meant to be portrayed as toxic. And... Um, Nicole was very manipulative, kind of just a vampire, like an energy vampire in general. Mm. Um, And I think it just reminds me of like bad influences I had as like, you know, young teenager, all of that. (sighs) Just later in the book, Stella still calls her her best friend. And I'm like, girlfriend. She convinced you to do armed robbery. I wouldn't call her your best friend anymore. Besties for the resties. (laughs) Besties for the resties, you know that? Um, Uh. But it just like this whole B-plot just felt so unnecessary and just, Mm -hmm. you know, Nicole is the henchman from the mister who randomly come in and beat up Alicia. (laughs) Like she's that B-plot. Yeah, I think
2: that's honestly why I kept comparing this book to the Mister so much because to me they felt like echoes of the exact same thing. Like I feel like if you mm-hmm. stripped all of like the the fluff and like the actual like setting and premise and everything and you're left oh my with like, God. the skeleton, it's
1: the exact same. It's the it exact, is the exact thing. same because because the Mister is also an employee and boss. Yep and a, a rich power imbalance and literally just you take out some of these mm-hmm. qualities and literally you can just place it in a different book wow 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 wow. which i suppose on one hand that is the definition of a trope
2: right you you take yeah. a trope and then you you add dressing and, and whatever to well, take shape yeah. but
1: but you, can, but you can take out the dramatic past for our fe- for our for the female main character and then it'd be different <laughs> <laughs> no for
2: sure. But I think the reason why this to me almost feels like a bad comparison to the Mister, like we we don't really say that favorably <laughs> no. is because it does that whole like you said of like shoving in this B plot of like I think it's okay personally, this is just me as a reader, to have a character with a dark past and maybe if you're writing yeah. about something that yeah. you've never experienced, at least as you do your due diligence and research and blah blah blah. I think there's a way to do that very evocatively. Yes. This felt like hmm i need tension i need something to happen let's do this and it almost feels like two yeah. trains we have this train that we've been following since the beginning of the of the novel on on plot a and then all of a sudden boom bullet train <laughs> b comes hurtling yeah. into the final act and you're like what the
1: fuck are you doing you're Like, You're like where did this come from yeah, it just yeah. feels so shoehorned in and just done. It's just very poor writing, and I think that's what made me so uncomfortable throughout the rest. Whenever Nicole is brought up, um, mm-hmm. it just feels like such poor writing and poor mishandling of what could have been a good subplot, but it just feels like plot for plot's sake. Yeah. But I also think I may have just been a little triggered from <laughs> bad choice, but bad friend choices in my past. But uh, moving on, that's not what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> uh, now we have a uh, chapter twelve, and guys, guess what? Stella's wearing color now. Uh, she's wearing a green top, yeah. so she's she's not emo anymore. <laughs> what? She's so happy also what i found interesting was this was the first chapter where it repeated where it was stella in chapter 11 and then chapter 12 it was beginning stella again and that like mm-hmm. broke up our pattern so i found that kind of jarring and i was like oh that's weird because i was ready to jump into aiden yeah. um and anyway there is a reason uh but she's not emo anymore <laughs> and i wrote in so now this is when HR steps in because basically Della is at work, she's working on her window, Jordan comes in, they're chatting. Jordan opens up a little bit about uh Seamus and all of that and how she's like Like I like him, but he need like he needs like I don't want to be his mom and all of this. And I had an ex fiance who I was older and he made me feel bad about doing that. About uh, being older and all of that. And Stella being like, live your life, girlfriend. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Jordan's like, yeah, this girl gives good advice. Anyway, HR comes busting into the window and go, that's her, officers. Um, because HR is accusing Stella of stealing two pairs of earrings. Um, for no, uh, well, not for no reason. But it, it is for a wrong reason. It's because Stella obviously has a record. And she believes that Stella has stolen the earrings. So Jordan's like, I'm going to go get Aiden. <laughs> and I was surprised that Stella didn't wasn't like, no, don't get him. I'll get myself out of this. Like trying to mm-hmm. convince herself again. Anyway, halfway through the chapter. Now we're in Aiden's perspective. He's upstairs doing his thing, hanging out. Um, he's like talking to Leland about something. I don't remember. Anyway, Jordan comes running in, and he's like, "What's happened?" And she's like, "Stella." And he's like,
2: <gasps> and "He literally she's drops everything.
1: <laughs> he literally drops everything and like runs downstairs. And he's like pissed because he because she's being accused of stealing these pairs of earrings. This is a long ass chapter too. Like this was yeah. long. Um, but I found it so weird." Uh, he wasn't notified about this HR issue, <laughs> like someone stealing earrings. Like I feel like he would have known, but meh. That's just they do. They do talk about that, like in this. Yeah, chat they do. during the they confrontation.
0: Do.
1: But yeah, yeah. But I thought that was weird when he first didn't know. Uh, oh, he was talking to Leland because Edda and Hank are coming in. Uh, Edna's coming to New York for the employee Christmas party. Yay, we love company Christmas parties. It's so cute. Okay. Um, yeah, so he runs downstairs. Um, <laughs> I did write, I ran out of tabs, but Vivant is an HR nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is, because even the head of
2: HR busts down into the very public floor oh oh where God. there are customers and other employees and goes, that one officer, she has a criminal record. I literally wrote down. I was like, I'm pretty sure that in and of itself is an HR violation. Like yes. announcing someone's like status.
1: Yes, that's that's an HR violation.
2: And I was like, this is the head of HR.
1: You're yeah. Me. Uh, <sighs> but basically, they take Stella into a back room, quote unquote. And Aiden's like running in. and He's like trying to get her out. And then Graham, Graham, and Dad and Daddy are just like, huh hmm. We knew something was wrong, but basically, apparently HR lady was like, I don't know why she was doing inventory, but she was doing inventory, and there Roo. were two pairs of earrings that were missing, and they assumed Stella took them because Stella's been staying late, and she has a record. Uh, so instead of calling Aiden, she calls the grandfather, not the grand, the grand, 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 and dad, and tells them what happens, and they're like, we knew something weird was going on um and then aiden basically loses his temper at his family which he should have done a long time ago because they're assholes Mm -hmm. um and he reveals he goes well actually we don't have to hold the board meetings anymore because remember i hold 60 percent, which means i only do it to like we could become like closer as a family (laughs) i'm like this isn't i mean i know your family is a lost cause but dude this is not how you -hmm. should have set those boundaries with them a long time ago and also, dude, you need board meetings. Like, like actual board yeah, meetings. Yeah, you do. <laughs> what are you doing? How's this company uh, afloat? Oh my god, it's so bad. Mm. Um, but basically, he also fires the HR lady. Yeah. Which I'm like... I don't know if, um, New York is the just cause state, um... But uh, (laughs) I feel like, again, it's another HR violation to fire her. No. Well, I'm saying that because he's doing it because she, like, acted and retorted against somebody he's, like, romantically interested in, you know?
0: Well, it's not a right-to-work state, which means they Mm -hmm. do have to provide, like, why you were fired.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. He's just like you can stay until the end of the new year.
0: Yeah. Damn. Again, he's gonna get sued. <laughs> he's gonna get sued. Oh
1: my God. There's so many instances in which this man is gonna get sued. Um, but he basically tells Jordan to go grab all of the employees on the ground floor, and Graham Graham's like, "Hey, don't do that. Or isn't the place is full? Because you know it's three days before Christmas." Mm-hmm. He's like, "I don't care. Go get them." And they all cut, like, all of them. And I'm like, isn't this a big department store? Mm-hmm. But everyone gets into the tiny, tiny HR room. And How long do you
2: think it took to to have the Avengers oh my, assemble oh for my this? God, so so
1: yeah. long. Like, <laughs> And also, if I were, like, I've worked retail, and I've worked in places where things get extremely busy at certain times of year. If our boss randomly went, I need everyone in the back room right now, I'd be like why like everything is in chaos already do you want us like this is absolutely insane um so yeah like basically oh my god so yeah everyone comes in and he's like hey i won't punish anybody if like but did did someone like see some earrings like we need like i know stuff can be misplaced because you know it's christmas and a girl confesses that she didn't steal them she had like put them away that this guy could come back and buy them later and like she wasn't meant to do that but she apologized and he's like you know what it's okay because you know you're trying to help out a man uh getting like touch with a sweetheart and i was like oh my god (laughs) so they find the earrings everything's fine he tells his family basically to fuck off and mm-hmm. Stella by the way throughout this whole thing is like silent is just like staring at him like <gasps> like oh my god he's like the man of my dreams and then just to rub it in this HR woman's face Stella goes actually there is one more thing she could do before oh she god. leaves <laughs> which is um I want to sign the love contract with <laughs> Ethan and I'm like now now is the time to do this in front of everybody you've just confessed that you are gonna bone the boss
2: and her I think like Aiden asked her like why like what changed your mind and she and she's like is this you, is the man of you who you truly are <laughs> hers is so stupid because she says like quote <sighs> I don't want you to like. I don't want to be saved. I don't need you to save me. And he's like, "Then why are you signing this contract or whatever?" And she's like, "Because you're giving me a chance, or like you see me for who I am." I was like,
1: "Potato, potato, bitch!" Like, yeah. what are do you doing? <laughs> your ass! <laughs> like everyone, like literally in front of everyone, you are showing favoritism, like his obvious mm-hmm. favoritism towards you. If I was Jordan, I would <laughs> quit on the spot. <laughs> I literally ran out of blue tabs marking this part of the book because I'm just like, this is an HR nightmare.
0: I know. Like,
1: this man is going to get sued like so fast. I know. Hi. How does, what does Kali P think of this? By the way, Kali P is Lauren's cat. What do you think of this? She's licking <laughs> herself.
2: She's trying to cleanse herself of this book.
1: Yeah, you know what? Me too, Callie, me too. Anyway, <laughs> chapter 14, we do the very sexy thing that is filing paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so they file some paperwork uh, and, oh no, 13, sorry. <laughs> I skipped ahead by accident. That's my bad.
2: We're, we're um, trying to rush to the end so we can <laughs> stop trying. talking about this.
1: I'm trying <laughs> so hard, but guys, no. you won't <laughs> believe it it gets worse from here somehow <laughs> somehow there's a shit ton of plot left to go through, and yeah don't know how that happens um but yeah they do the very sexy thing that is um fill out some paperwork uh i literally wrote down do you want to know the synopsis of this chapter that i wrote it is what? it's five words they signed the contract and bang. That's all I wrote. Because it's true. Because, because it's, it's true. All uh, yeah, so they sign the contract. They go up to his office and they're like holding hands and everyone's like staring. And I'm like, I don't understand why. Um, and then he kicks out Leland and Leland's like, da, de, da, my, my boss is going to bone. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, they lock the door and then they have sex. Uh first in his main office and then for some reason they go into the filing closet. Mm -hmm. And I and and I think it's it's because it's meant to be more quiet, but I feel like if you're having sex on metal filing cabinets, that would be louder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just wanna bring up some some point some other points that I wrote in the synopsis of chapter 13 um the the ick i felt when i read the Mm -hmm. line put me in all the way in i i cannot describe just the eye roll i had after reading that line
2: yeah, um, it's funny that you bring that up because I was also about to share the quotes that I shared with you all because that was from this mm-hmm. chapter um, in yep. our group chat. These are out of context, listener. but Well, not really because you know the context, but um, just know these come in quick succession of each other just like yep. Della does. Um, as we corrupt the walls of his office, my organ leaping in my rib cage and then quote, <laughs> this is from Aiden, I've been dying to have that pussy go off for me.
1: <laughs> like a gun? <laughs> like a gun? <laughs> <sighs> this chapter was a mess. This was a mess. Um, and after those uh quotes that you just read, Lord, I did mm-hmm. want to uh note that I did ask the question. Um, who talks this much during sex? <laughs> Cause there was a lot of dialogue That's for actually very so vanilla. True. That's yeah. so true. I feel like there's other more important actions happening rather than corny dialogue. Hmm. Anyway. I'm just at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> I know! I-, <laughs> I know. Oh my god. And then we get And then we get chapter 14. Uh, where they finally go back to Aiden's apartment because you know you gotta beg more, then. more sex, yeah. They do have more sex, but not until the next morning. Uh, but yeah, they go back to his um apartment and you know they get more deep and uh, Stella talks about Nicole and like how uncomfortable she is with their relationship. Um, and he like talks about how he like love how he loves her or something or like he like he he like wants to say that Uh, and i say i swear if they say i love you before date three hey spoiler alert they say i love you before the third date (laughs) it's also like four days correct they've they've known yes they've known each other for less than two for maybe a little over two weeks yeah i just i just i don't understand um and then aiden starts like they're talking about how his apartment is decorated and all of that and he like says something along the lines (laughs) of um i'm an old-fashioned guy like because the apartment um stella's like oh this kind of looks like if don draper were like a good guy like decorated in that (laughs) way um and i just went old i did write old-fashioned wear but then lauren had just Sent the um, it was like pussy something like pop off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Pussy something
1: what? (laughs) It was from the previous chapter. I'm sorry, I'm tired. (laughs) Is
2: it the I'm waiting for your pussy to go off for me?
1: Yes, and you're like like a gun because I did write down, um, sir, uh, because I take it if you say old fashioned, you mean Republican. That's just just how um, I read it. But this is also, as we said, published in January of 2021. So I did write, sir, where were you January 6th of 2021? (laughs) At the NRA (sighs) meeting. Yeah, he was doing something. Uh, But yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm an old fashioned guy. And I'm just like, where? You literally haven't proven any point to me that you are, quote unquote, old fashioned no you're not blue collar you're not old-fashioned like in what like like in what way are you these things other than you have a southern accent old money (laughs) old money southern accent
0: but it's not like he
1: even picked up the southern accent from his daddy he picked it up from aunt edna
2: i won't do things right with you Stella
1: Schmidt.
2: Oh, and then (laughs) and
1: then then Stella's like, I'm the farthest thing from old-fashioned. I'm like, again, in what way? You have not shown me in what way you are the farthest thing from old-fashioned. Do you want to know what I would say the farthest thing from old-fashioned is? Is like her literally being like, like protesting capitalism and actually being pro the chernobyl penguin display at the front <laughs> and being like that sucks because look it's it's like child labor and capitalism ruining our environment and consumerism but no she
2: i mean i'll give her credit where it's due she literally does wear old-fashioned that's like 2013 tumblr <laughs> so if that's what she means
1: and i'll give think- her that but- hey she was incarcerated when she was like what 16 I think is when she said is that when she went to prison or was she like 20 something she said she went from being a teen to a young adult while incarcerated Mm, I don't know I don't think they ever give the age but I was like she dresses like a teenager that's
2: that's actually you know what I have a feeling that was not done intentionally that's very smart Tessa Bailey
1: good good (laughs) job
2: It if was you smart. did that on
1: purpose, it was smart. Um, you did. Oh yeah, and then also we mentioned how it, it, this was the Lauren. This was the line about the BF and boss, the boyfriend and boss thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right. I sent that in chat words. Call me boyfriend,
1: not boss. The boss. And I just uh, went. And when at one at one point did we have a conversation that? You two are officially boyfriend-girlfriend.
2: I guess the love contract. I guess I, I guess. said that's that's our blood oath.
1: That's, <laughs> yeah. But like, uh. remember that comment that we read in the first part of this podcast where the user on Storygraph kind of talked about how there's like no communication between the characters? Yes. This was the point in which I felt that. I was like, there's just nothing. Like, we are just assuming... Mhm, we're in a relationship, and like that's just not how things work. mm, it's just not how it works no ma'am anyway they they talk into the night. Stella wakes up in Aiden's house um he's making breakfast, she gets horny, they have sex. <laughs> Yep, I think that's it. <laughs> that's all I've written down. So we're just exactly. going to go with what I've written down. Um, um, now we get to chapter 15. Slay. <laughs> Slay bells ringing. Um, which is the beginning of the two most infuriating chapters. I know. Within this entire I book. I know. I know, listeners, you think that I was getting heated before, but oh, just wait till you listen to these next two so we get a bit of a time skip it's four days later it's christmas eve you know that magical magical time um and apparently there's an online challenge called the vivant challenge because stella you know did such a good job with the window and i'm just like that's that's just not how internet challenges work. No. 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 It's just Mm mm. Um and Stella also didn't do anything with like the internet. Like she has no anyway. That's just not how it works. No. Um but we're in Aiden's point of view, and he's like walking around the store and like things are going crazy because you know, like I said, Christmas Eve, so people are doing last minute gifts. At one point he's walking past the ring section and I just went, "Dude, don't do it." <laughs> I was like, don't "Why are it. you think I just literally wrote, "He wants to propose. You just apparently became official." He's old fashioned. You got
2: to you got to marry her so we can pump out 20 kids before her biological clock. I know. Like him. he
1: they both suck at communicating. Like they are awful. Like any like there's what obviously there's no communication because they're just banging all the time. They don't have they don't have time to do nothing communication. They don't know well, how to do that. Although they talk a lot during sex and it's about no, nothing important. <laughs> yeah. Um but Aiden doesn't like listen to Stella like at all when she's just like, hey man. You gotta slow down. You gotta give me a little bit of space. But, like, space in the sense of, like, I'm still trying to figure things out because, remember, I went to prison! <laughs> I just got out! I'm still trying to get used to the just the world and how it is. And he's like, I wanna marry you. <laughs> what the <laughs> they
2: know nothing about each other they think they, they do
1: nothing. well if you've known someone for a little over two weeks yeah you know lo- you know little about them and if they and if this means they do know everything about
2: each other they're about as like deep as a kiddie pool like that's exactly all there is to know i know
1: i know like you know what actually you know what i'm thinking of mm. why the fuck did she want to be a window dresser in the first place I don't know. Exactly! I don't like, know. We, no, we have no motivation for why she wanted that in the first place. Anyway, 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 going <laughs> off topic.
2: The <How> more <laughs> I, I think about it, the worse this is.
1: <laughs> the, worse, the worse this is, the more I think about it. And you know what? It's probably the same thing that happened in the mind of uh, Miss Bailey. Anyway. I agree. Um, so he's like walking around and then he sees Stella who's trying on this. Satin green dress, which apparently, uh, really like is very flattering on her, especially on the plumps of her tit- of her tits, which is a literal line from the. Actually, hey, Ashlyn, add that to uh, horrible anatomy, please. <laughs> plumps of her tits. I'm plumps of her tits.
2: Uh, but yeah, theory. Aiden's like, oh
1: my god, she's so hot uh and jordan's like ooh, like come to like we need your opinion kind of thing and aiden's like i mean yeah she looks hot uh but stella wants to like buy it herself because you know it'd be your first paycheck which is about to drop which is like important to her um and you know what i i honestly respect that he doesn't like try to push that and then and then listeners We get the obligatory third act in the romance fight-slash-breakup kind of thing for no goddamn reason. Because Nicole calls again and has texted Stella, and Stella shuts down for no reason. And she's like, I need space. And Aiden's like, are we breaking up? (laughs) (laughs) question, Aiden. Are we even together in
2: the first place? Second question, Aiden. This isn't about you. That's not a question. Third question, Aiden. Get your head out of your ass. Stop dating your employee and maybe figure out what the fuck is wrong.
1: I wanted wanted to gut him like a fish. I... I think what pissed me off the most is like literally this, literally the last three chapters from chapters 15 to 16 could have been cut. To the epilogue. We could have cut it.
2: She could she could have taken her phone. He goes, what's wrong? Could have taken her phone and go, read the text.
1: Read the text. Yeah. She didn't have to say anything. <laughs> and she was just like, I need space. I, I need, need- some."
2: I need to be traumatized in a way that's unproductive to this
0: conversation
1: oh. and then Aiden like is so Aiden's like okay I'll give you space and then like she just leaves she just leaves work I'm like Bet you it's Christmas Eve get your <laughs> ass on the floor
2: this isn't your smoke break come on
1: come on girlfriend come on Miss Bailey Miss Bailey, you shouldn't, this, this is, this is bad. Like we, we literally did not need these last two chapters and it just pissed me off that it just felt like we had to just squeeze in that one last little, that little trope. And then this last little chapter right before she goes to the Christmas party, which oh, yeah, it like literally miscommunication
0: makes, trope.
1: literally this whole book is the miscommunication trope. That's this whole book. Mmm. You
2: taste that? That's bile in my throat.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Chapter 16. Yeah. Um, I want to say real quick, Stella's parents are bad at being parents because they literally give her address to cole. What the fuck? They
2: said, hey, oh, ex-best friend that got our child arrested and involved in a life of like petty crimes and almost got an innocent <laughs> restaurant owner shot and, and dead.
1: Here's a <laughs> girl her she ideas. is <laughs> Even though we don't want to talk about her. By the way, there's been an entire subplot about uh, Stella being like anxious about not to call her parents, which Yeah. Valid. I wish we had touched on it because like that was actually a kind of valid um, and not, like, that was actually a good point of tension. But we're just talking about the bad points. <laughs> it literally, it was meaningless anyway. Like, legitimately, it was mentioned
2: once or twice and then just, like, never went anywhere with it.
1: Well, it got into the epilogue anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah but her parents are bad at being parents because Nicole shows up at uh, Stella's house, which really isn't her house. It's her uncle's place that he hasn't lived at and she's renting out. Anyway, Stella shows up and, like, she's very uncomfortable around Nicole. I would be, obviously. She lets Nicole mm-hmm. in. And they have, like, this it's just, it's such a weird exchange. And it's such a weird point to put this in the book. Like, this is the, like, readers, we have less than 20 pages in this book. This is such a weird point. To suddenly drop, like, right at, like, this is meant to be, like, the end of the book. And basically Stella and Nicole have kind of a conversation. Nicole gets into her usual, like, oh, I guess your life is better because you were always lucky mm-hmm. and, like, da-da-da-da, being vindictive, being a bitch. And Stella's like, stop. I'm going to set a boundary. And oh my God. <laughs> And guess what? Look, we can still be best friends. But we need to live separate lives. And I'm a different person now. And like, you need to stop being so like sad for yourself and like just get your shit together. Like, that's that kind of sums up what Stella says, honestly. And then Nicole's like, yeah, okay. And then they like cry. So they're like, I'm so emotional because I miss my best friend. And I'm and I literally, I, I don't understand. Why are we letting this toxic person back in our life?
2: Because it's not that she exhibited like a flaw, because I do agree. Like friendships need boundaries. Not everybody's perfect. There are things that you need to do and address if you want to continue a healthy friendship. This is not a character flaw. This is... I have guilt tripped you for years and I continue to do it because it is a behavior that has been continually reinforced. I literally convinced you to do illicit activities with me that got you arrested and four years stolen off your life. Like there's no boundary that is set here. The only boundary is we are not friends anymore that is the boundary or it just continues to be the toxic nature that it is there's no changing but, but, that in a but conversation. basically
1: they're like oh we're still best friends we just have to lift live that lives and i'm like yes that literally literally that is not a boundary you're just letting her come back into your life she's shown no growth and yeah. you know what i would get if If this is kind of like Stella is like still struggling with having a backbone, you know, letting someone toxic come back into her life, letting like having like conflicted feelings because you do have conflicted feelings, especially when you care about someone that much and they've caused that much pain. But this is not like the girl boss moment of like I'm standing my no. ground and I'm setting a boundary that Tessa Bailey probably thought it was. Like that's it's not it. Like there was no point yeah. in this and there was no point in the third act breakup cuz literally Stella's then like, "Oh, <laughs> I got to go. I have a Christmas party to attend," basically. Um and then we're back in a- Aiden's perspective at the Christmas party for like five pages. Nothing happens. Stella doesn't show up and then suddenly she's there and she's just wearing a robe because a couple chapters ago she had asked Aiden what his dream Christmas would be and he said it would be having a whole family wearing matching robes. That was dumb as
2: shit, Aiden.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and guess what? She shows up with a matching robe. Is she wearing the same dress underneath? Don't know. It never gets spoken about again. Um Yeah. And uh they say I love you. Sure. Yep, of course. Part for the course. Part oh, also Aunt Edna's there. <laughs> just thought unless you guys know jordan and seamus and whatever and leland all those people at the christmas party and now we're into the epilogue yay (laughs) it's been a it's been a year like literally every other epilogue we've ever read (laughs) i (laughs) i think i've decided through this podcast alone that i
2: hate epilogues to romance (laughs)
1: They never oh, end yeah. well
2: for me. I'm always disappointed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's just no need. I want anyway, to make my own story. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's fine. Um, also, I lo- this is just a prime example of tell, don't show. Um, so, like I said, it's been a year because literally within the first page, Stella goes, my steadfast boyfriend of one year. You can just say, um i wake up to aiden next to me right yeah exactly or like just be like aiden and i aiden and i have been together for a year um what a great time yada yada and so forth like that would have been better than just you know it's just such weird wording to say i've been with him for a year no the next christmas season um but we're going home to stella's parents house um and they park on the side of the road because Stella's beginning to like panic because you know she hasn't talked to her parents because you know general anxiety because yeah she's been through a lot um Aiden calms her down and then literally we I knew this was gonna happen I mean it always happens within the epilogue of any of these books but Aiden like leans down and kisses her hand and he has to avoid basically the ginormous rock that he put on her hand His surprise they're engaged of course they are like who's surprised at this point um, so they get hot and heavy for each other and they're like oh we should go back to the hotel that's like just down the road but anyway they have to be at her parents house anyway so they're like uh, maybe on the way back we'll like bang in the hotel and I'm like in the motel and I'm just like I hey, are y'all that horny for each other mm-hmm you okay I mean, whatever yeah. mm-hmm. um so then they get to her parents house and they like open the door and everything's kind of it's a tiny bit awkward and then aiden jumps into a random story about aunt edna and, Un- and uncle hank and so it's like yeah he's quirky that way don't you guys love him and then they like run up and hug her and she sees her window displays like in the background like proudly displayed. Apparently Aiden's been sending them photos. They walk in and then we get the most like vomit inducing line, which is I'm matching robes love you.
2: And I not Kessler want to set fire to this book. If, the,
1: if that is not, if that is not a millennialism, I don't know yeah. what is. I would break up with someone on the one no. Wow. if someone said that to me i'd be like what the fuck did, wh- why are we saying this like real people do not talk this way you know they talk to each other in a baby voice oh 100 like, <laughs> percent. oh my god I actually um, i actually want to ask you a question
2: really quick based on this epilogue and what we know of their relationship i'm inspired by <laughs> at newly nova who's a tiktok <laughs> book creator i love them i do too i, I, do I, too. I know them. what you're about to ask and i need you
0: to know it was uh-huh. one of my questions
2: oh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah I, i'm looking at her profile now she's incredible we follow her shout out to you if you ever see this shout she's out doing, she
1: is amazing i love her i know
2: we're currently doing she's currently doing a series on like you know romance book couples like on a yep. um, like a chart that she sort of like arbitrarily made, like, do you think they'll stay together and like what the vibe of their relationship is? Mm-hmm. I want to pose that question to you. Do do we think they get married and stay together?
1: Um, yes, only because Stella feels a financial obligation to stay with Aiden because you know he actually owns the fucking oh. company. <laughs> what a read. Yeah. Um mean. I feel like that too because she feels indebted to him. No matter how much Tessa Bailey is trying to say, like uh like Stella shouldn't feel indebted to him and all of that. Like she feels obligated to. He literally gave her, her job because he wanted to bang her. I'm gonna so, say something really controversial. <laughs> go ahead. Do you think that do you think they're not gonna make it? I think they will, but
2: it's going to be a very hateful marriage because I feel like one or both parties will cheat on each other. Yes. I'm leaning more towards Stella, actually, because I'm thinking that once she does learn to sort of readjust to life, she grows a backbone, her own personality, her own interests. Maybe she's not a window dresser at Vivant for forever, which I would hope not for her sake. I think she's going to learn that the, the person she was when she first fell in love with Aiden is going to is no longer there like she's a very different exactly much more grown individual and that aiden savior complex is a little bit like Mm -hmm. oppressive and so i think she is going to either like probably realizing she can't leave the marriage probably walk out on it I'm not quite sold on if he would cheat on her. It's a little less convincing to me, but I do think the mm-hmm. easiness with which he fell for her and the excitement enticed by like sexual attraction for the most part could be a contender there as well, if he feels like
1: See. See, I almost think it would almost go in the opposite direction and that she would mm. become more like a little more Stockholm syndrome-y, and kind of conform mm. more into his interests and stuff. Even though he's like stellified their apartment, as they keep saying. And it's more like slowly morphing her into what he wants and needs as a partner.
2: Yeah, that's probably the more likely outcome.
1: I think I'm just hopeful for a world in which she grows a spine. (laughs) See, yeah, but she didn't grow one in the first. She never had one in the first place. Um, If with everything we've learned from her relationship with Nicole.
2: Yeah. Rest in peace to a real one. Yeah. (laughs) She she got (laughs) (laughs) dickmatized and now runs a corporate consumerist (laughs) empire.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey guys. Guess what? That's the end of window shopping by Tessa Bailey. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. I do you have questions yeah. what if i just said no just no if questions. you said no i do actually have final thoughts oh um, my gosh okay
0: so my first question is not well thought out um and it okay. is asking you guys to put forth deep deep thinking this late oh. i'm so sorry so Frequently in these books, the guy has a moment right before they have sex where he's like, I can't do this for his various good guy reasons. Does making it to the point of borderline having sex with someone and then deciding that this like, I can't do this. Like, does that does this still justify like their moral
1: cause? 'Cause Because that happens in a bunch of books that we've read. It doesn't Um, because you've already started committing sexual acts with this other person you've already gone down the rabbit hole just do the thing already like it doesn't show that he's a good guy it doesn't show his morality yes he can feel bad about it and like yes he can like question it but i hate the trope of like he's hesitant he doesn't know and they like keep getting into it and then he like stops it's annoying at this point
2: My thing is that they've done nothing but talk about wanting to fuck each other this entire time. And so there's all this buildup. And then it's not the temptation, wait, let's save this for a later chapter and leave the readers in suspense moment that I think Miss Bailey thinks it is.
0: Mm -hmm. I
2: think it's just let's drag this shit on a (laughs) little longer.
1: So actually, this is going to be such a dorky comparison. And I hope my musical theater nerds out there understand when I say this so in musicals you go there are certain ways that you kind of go through a show emotionally when you're just like having normal dialogue you speak when emotions start to get higher you sing and when emotions escalate to like this big huge point you start to dance that's kind of like how emotions and things kind of flow throughout musicals so, for example, when you place a musical, not in original stage format, like, say, on television, when you do those things where you do the the acting, the singing, and then dancing, or you or you'll do the acting and then singing, and then you go to an ad break, for example, instead of what you what I think producers think they're doing, which is like, oh, adding anticipation. You're actually killing the movement and the emotion of the scene and the story, which is exactly mm-hmm. what is happening here, and why I think I'm sick of it is because, like it's an unnecessary stopping point, where it's just like, yeah, moments past where they're past the, the space of no, no return, and just because he hasn't penetrated her doesn't mean they've already had sexual acts. Exactly. Or
2: exactly. What I was going to build off of this, would have been a lot more effective if this was before the first kiss. And yes, or before he, finger t- <laughs> exactly. To me, I think a, a first kiss is enough, like, okay, we haven't crossed that physical boundary yet. And like that can very easily and innocently almost build that suspense. But after you've had two sex scenes, minus penetration, but there's, there's sex scenes, right? Even if you've had two sex scenes, the first kiss, so Mm -hmm. many conversations about the yada, it loses its appeal. And it just becomes a hindrance and an excuse to, like, add on pages, I think. And, like, try to give the main character, like, depth. And it's, Yeah.
1: Here's the romance book version of the musical format. You get, like, kissing. First kiss. That's, like, a little bit of flirty banter. Then you get into kissing. Do first kiss some kisses then you get into the foreplay and then after that that's your dancing like that Uh is the when emotions are at their peak
2: yeah damn i guess aiden hasn't seen many
0: musicals
1: (laughs) no i no Do you think that
0: this book is a Christmas book? Mm.
2: <laughs> the only ho 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 that I felt during reading this book was ho ho horny, and even then yeah. it was like, uh, you know, no. To me, I
1: like it didn't feel Christmassy <laughs> at all. That's just what I'll say. <laughs> it just mentioned Christmas. Exactly. I didn't feel. Any of, like, the holiday spirit, really, honestly. Like, I, I was... I kind of looked forward to it because I wanted it to be, like, more holiday Yes. I, I wanted, wanted a Hallmark movie. And we didn't get yeah. that. Yeah. Like, really, the only thing that made me feel like it was more Christmassy is when he made Hot cocoa, And that's yeah. not even inherently Christmassy. It just felt like he does this all year round, and this is just his normal thing. Like, if we saw him outside of the Christmas season... Maybe I'd feel differently. Valid and correct.
0: <laughs> Based on this book, would you read something else by Tusabay? I actually <laughs> thought about this before
2: mm-hmm. we recorded. I'm actually gonna say yes. Because really? and there's some context to this. When looking through the Amazon reviews and doing my research on Tessa Bailey, a lot of the reviews that like had read her work before have all across the board said this is not her best. To me, that indicates there is. And just like looking around, everyone, like I mentioned earlier, seems to be really fond of Hook, Line and Sinker. It happened one summer. Like those are titles I see thrown around a lot. And I think I would be interested to read what is considered her best. Just to determine if I think there truly is like this was just sort of a middle of the road for her. And, you know, statistically speaking, she's pumped out 55 books. My hope is that there's going to be some variability in the quality and that we just happen to pick kind of something that's on the lower end. And that seems to be a universal agreement, both among first time readers of hers and folks who have read a little more. But not to say that I'm ready to pick up another Tessa Bailey anytime soon. I think I definitely need quite a few palate cleansers between, but I would be open to it.
1: This is so funny because I'm going to be a hater. This this is my hater era. That's okay. This is is my reputation era. I will read one for the podcast, but I will not probably pursue this author outside of this podcast. And (laughs) while, yes, I agree that, like, if this is based off of the reviews and other people and what they're saying is, like, yes, like, this is not her best work. The reason I'm so hesitant is because even though, yes, this may not be her best work, this is a book that is meant to be, you said she started in 2013. Mm -hmm. This was eight years into her writing career. She should know better like she should be writing better. Like that's all I'm going to say. And like I don't know. I maybe I'm just being cynical. Maybe I'm just in a grumpy mood. I may just be a little little sourpuss. Maybe a little I feel bit like of a we, gri- I feel a little like bit we of a
2: faces. It's nice and, um, being the 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 cop. cop a little bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you seem being a, I'm being a little bit of a grinch right now. Um but I just <sighs> So, I I really don't know if I would read something like this again. And this may just be because I'm just really not a fan of her writing style, of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I have actually read a snippet of, um, I believe it was um, Hook, Line, and Sinker was, I think, the one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I've read a portion of that. And I just, I really don't enjoy her writing style. And that just may be me. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't know. I, I would be willing to try something out for this podcast. But I think the reason I am like more hesitant with Tessa Bailey over like, say, an author, which I know I don't enjoy the writing style. I know like all that, like Colleen Hoover, for example. Um, Colleen Hoover's is so absurdist in a way in which it almost takes on that comical value. Like, you can Uh almost feel like... I almost feel like Colin Hoover doesn't even take herself seriously. (laughs) Especially some of the out-of-pocket things she has said in her books. But I feel like Tessa Bailey maybe takes herself too seriously. (laughs) Uh, Um... Yeah. And again, maybe I'm just being a Grinch. If you got uh try and convince me. Try and uh try and convince me otherwise. But I feel like I just I enjoy more absurdist things when they're absurd just for absurd sake, rather than something where it's poorly written things don't make sense mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I will say as a closing comment to
2: that, to add on to that, I've noticed with all the books and novellas that we've read across the podcast, the ones I have the most fun with are the ones that are absurdist bad. It's the, it's the yes. jazz head. It's the, you know what I mean? It's, it's the books that are so off the wall. You can tell the author did not take it seriously and maybe it's shit, but like everybody involved had a little bit of fun. And yeah. this, I think, like you said, you touched on that. I think this was intended to be serious. And I think it's okay, but that disappoints me a lot more. Reading an okay book disappoints me a lot more than reading yes. something that's yes. so off the wall and hinge bad. And that's why I had so much damn fun with November Nine, and I was like, "Give me another Coho yeah. book, like, yeah, exactly." Like, <laughs>
1: I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? I could, I could definitely read another one because, like, I had fun reading it because I was like, I get to talk yes. about this random ass <laughs> shit with my friends and be like, "What the fuck did I just read?" Rather with this book, I'm like. I don't even understand the purpose of why this was exactly. written.
2: Yeah. So I think what that sounds like is that we need to read more <laughs> violent monster porn
1: with arson and Dolly no, and Please.
2: <laughs> Sorry, this is just my propaganda.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So what would you guys rate the book out of five?
1: So I didn't give it a one. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I gave it a two uh, because it was just so mid. <laughs> um, it just like it doesn't deserve any higher. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna recommend it to people. I don't want to read it again. Um, I had fun reading it, knowing I was gonna talk about it with you guys. Hmm. Like, th- that's truly my final thoughts on it. Um, because, like, just the whole book is very predictable and poorly categorized. And it was funny in ways it wasn't meant to be funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. I want to say, and you can fact check me on this if y'all want. I want to say I gave the mister a 2.5, something like that. That sounds familiar. hmm Regardless, whatever I rated the mister is the exact same of what I will rate this because in my mind, I don't want to I don't think it deserves to be below the mister. But I also don't necessarily think it deserves to be above it because of how similarly skeletally they are and how reminiscent they were of each other for me. Um, It's just that one was a lot longer and a lot more like drab. And then this is a lot shorter, but a lot less like absurdist in the sense of like i didn't even have fun poking fun at like the whole oh my god why is she in a trunk of a car like kind of stuff right
1: yeah so exactly i i i will agree i think i will say the same thing um i'm trying to remember what i did rate the mister i'm trying to f- see if i have notes on that i do not because i started taking notes after one last stop yes ashley Yes, Ashon.
0: I have it pulled up. So, oh, shit. Sydney, you you gave the Mister four out of five. Um, fuck like a duck. Oh, generous. It, one star. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. My email sound went off of my headphones. Lauren, you gave the Mister one out of five. Rich bitch apartments by the Thames. True. you both gave
1: it a one yeah well i will break okay i hate to say this
0: which is probably
1: why we're blocked yeah probably (laughs) yeah that's true whoops whoopsie doopsie um because if if i'm going based off of the system i have now the mister like my rating system i have now um i would say the mister is a two so it would be the same at uh yeah uh like literally same line as window shopping I think so too I will agree yeah. with you on that but the two is be- is more for the mister's more because what the fuck did we just read <laughs> and I, I I would be scared to share it with other people and I will not share that I read this book outside of this podcast but damn did I have a good time while I read it well I didn't it was painful I take that back. It was fun recording
2: the episode with you guys. Yes, I would just like to tell our listeners at home that we did read or we did rate erotic encounters with the Mothman <laughs> higher than window <laughs> shopping by <laughs> Jessica Bailey. I just, yeah. I just want that to be known.
1: Oh yeah, um, we did do that. We did do that. We well, did. that was good. That hey, that. If you get if you get a quote unquote lesbian threesome with the Mothman. I made one of
2: my friends read it. I I, I rated that like a four for a reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it was a fun time. <laughs> anyway, well, that is all for our review. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm going to keep going.
0: No, sorry. I was trying to figure out. We did give them off We the Mothman a
1: four. Yeah, because it was <laughs> fun. It and I life. would tell people. <laughs> Um, Our rating scale is off. No, you're fine. It's so (laughs) bad. Here's the beginning of the end end credits. Of the end. (laughs) Of the end. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Well, that is it for us. Uh, Thank you for listening to part two of our full review of Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I really don't know why you're listening to the end of this one here. But hey, um, go listen to that one or go listen to some of our other uh, reviews we have, like ones we've mentioned here. We've got The Mister. We've got uh, Sexual Encounters with Mothman um, and quite a few others. So you should go listen to those Um, and you can... Uh, listen to those on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and honestly, kind of work for you to listen to podcasts. Um, and go follow us on social media at The RPH Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, a bunch of other places. We've got uh, X, uh, previously known as Twitter. You can go on there. We've got Twitch, but nothing's uploaded there. Uh, we've got a YouTube. Go follow us on there. And please, like, interact with us. Tell us what you think. Um, Give us book recommendations. Give us fan fiction recommendations. And yeah, uh, had a good time tonight and we are signing off. And you know what? We'll see you later, you sexy Santas.
0: Hey, guys. It's your favorite producer friend. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, we will see you guys probably the third week of January because we're going to take a little break to hang out with our families yay i have no idea what'll be up in january it'll be a surprise for us and you thank you for tuning in to this episode of the raunchy power hour find us on instagram and twitter at the rph podcast send us book recs to our email raunchy power at gmail.com or at the link in our bio on any of our socials as always stay raunchy